This is the Mach 1 Market Moment with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group in Northwest Arkansas. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment with Matt Walters, uh, Mach 1 Financial Group, retirement income planning specialist. And if you'd like to make a call to Matt's office, you can call 479-876-2100. But Matt, good to be with you today. Yeah, Ron, always good to be with you. Coming off of weekend here is nice, so ready for the fourth. Absolutely right. Well, fuzzy math is something that you don't really want to practice. You know, there's a lot of math involved when it comes to numbers and trying to figure out what exactly you're going to do for retirement. A lot of investors and advisors out there fall victim to fuzzy math and retirement planning. I thought maybe you could explain why someone making different statements might be using fuzzy math. Someone says to you, the mutual funds that I'm invested in have averaged 7% annual growth for the last five years, and I'm perfectly happy with that return moving forward. Is that practicing fuzzy math? Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the backup. This, you know, this is a big part of our industry and, you know, the financial advising investing world is, you know, math, looking at analysis and crunching numbers. And obviously there are going to be assumptions that need to be made if you're going to put together like a retirement plan and what things might look like moving forward. So one of the first things I tell a lot of people when they come in the offices, you, know, you have to keep in mind the financial advising or investing industry is one of the most, if not the most opinionated industries out there, in my opinion. Everybody's got their own opinion. Every advisor you're going to talk to is going to have some different opinion or perspective on a on a topic or a matter. Some we might agree on, some we might not, but ultimately you just have to kind of come, you know, educate yourself and come to your own conclusion. And this is, you know, the math and the numbers thrown around can really be um, kind of leave you with your head scratching sometimes with what people are told or what you've maybe heard before. And the the average rate of return number is obviously a common one, right? That's it's what most people want to talk about. It's what most people are concerned with. You know, how are my accounts growing? What has been my average rate of return over the you know last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it be? And so one thing you have to be careful of though is when you're looking at a short period of time and using that number to just project forward into perpetuity or for as long as you might live. So in this example, you know, they're looking at 7% annualized for over a five-year period, which is, which might be great, but it's all relative to, you know, what period of time are you looking at? What is the overall market done during that period of time? And from an investing standpoint, five years is an extremely short period of time. My personal rule of thumb and how I advise people and work with people is if you're going to need the money, and you know you're going to need it in less than five years. So if your time horizon for a set of funds is less than five years, we probably don't want to be invested in the market at all. So that just kind of gives you my perspective on how short of a period of time five years is. So using a, a, a rate of return that has happened over a, a short period of time, like five years, and assuming that moving forward, like it's just, it's going to happen every five years from then on, can be da- very, very dangerous. Another thing to just kind of dig into the weeds here a little bit for a second, another thing is how are those average rates of return being calculated. Okay, so this is something we spend time on is just general financial education and, and talking about the math behind some of this. And a real quick example is try to bear with me if you can't say you have $100,000 and you invest that and you earn a positive 100% return. You obviously, at the end of that first year, you have $200,000, 
And let's say you're investing for two years and that second year rolls around and you have a negative 50% return. So you start with 100,000, see a 100% return in year one, so you now have 200,000, and a negative 50% return in year two. So your 200,000 gets negative 50%, so you're back to your original 100,000. So you started with 100 and you ended with $100,000. Well, if you just look at the, the what they call the arithmetic mean or the arithmetic average of those numbers, you take the positive 100%, add the negative 50%, so you're left with 50% divided by the two-year period, and over that period of time, you've averaged a 25% return, but you don't have any more money, right? So all we really care about is how much more money we have, right? But mathematically, it's still correct. We've averaged a 25% return. So there's Definitely have to be careful and cautious when using rates of return, especially when those are when you're looking at a short period of time. How are those being calculated? You know, and move forward cautiously in terms of how you're projecting and, and the assumptions that you're making moving forward. And it's definitely a good example of using fuzzy math. Here's another one for you. It's definitely best to wait until I'm 70 to start my Social Security so that I can get the biggest monthly amount possible. Is that fuzzy math, too? Yeah, that's this is a tough one, Ron. So the social security question, ultimately, when it when you boil it down to the, kind of the the bare bones of it, it's a life expectancy calculation. So yes, your social security benefits will be more if you wait. You know, the longer you wait, so every year that you wait, your monthly amount will be higher. But there are other factors that we need to take into account too, right? When are we retiring? Are we retiring early? Are we married? Does our spouse have benefits? You know, what's our family history look like from a medical standpoint? What's our personal medical history look like? Are we expecting to live into our, you know, late 80s, early 90s? If so, then waiting can definitely make a lot of sense. But if there's a lot of reason to believe we may not, you know, live very long, then it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to wait. It might make more sense to file early. So there's a lot of variables that go into this other than just looking at, well, the, the dollar amount's more at 70, so it automatically means everybody needs to wait. And that's something that we help people. We walk through that process with them using a system called Retirement Analyzer, helping them calculate and analyze, you know, when would it make the most sense based on all of these different variables, not just, you know, the dollar amount of what Social Security will be. You're listening to the Mach 1 Market Moment with Matt Walters. And Matt, let's say someone walks into your office and they say to you, I'm currently saving for retirement, but I won't need to do that once I'm actually retired. So I won't need as much income in retirement as I do now. Is that an example of fuzzy math? Yeah, this is another very common one that you know I hear all the time. Um, and I think people just, not everybody, but a lot of people have just not really sat down to, uh, and looked at what their current budget is and then what things might look like in retirement. Um, they just assume they're they're going to be spending less on a monthly basis. But if you think about, you know, what retirement might mean for you or for a majority of people out there, a lot of times that means more travel. So that money you were putting towards retirement savings, you might be spending quite a bit more on travel now once you're retired or or healthcare. You know, you're you're paying for a, a Medicare supplement policy or um, a policy on the open marketplace, depending on how old you are, and you know you might be spending more on healthcare and doctors visits. So there are quite a few different variables and and other th- items that you might be spending money on or more money on that you're not taking into account. So yes, you're not saving money for retirement. So those dollars are freed up. But is it truly going to be a net, you know, 
decrease in your overall expenses month to month. Typically, it doesn't work out that way for a lot of people like they might think, especially early in retirement. So what we see often is the first 10 to 15 years of retirement, especially the first 10, you know, expenses don't really decrease all that much from my experience. A lot of people, you know, expenses stay relatively the same, if not maybe even increase a little bit depending on what they're wanting to do from a travel standpoint. And then they might get to a point where they're not traveling as much, they're going to be staying at home more and so maybe decrease expenses decrease on a monthly basis at some point in the future, but it's definitely not for a lot of people, it's not that immediate decrease in expenses, you know, a starting day one of retirement like you might think. And another thing too is taxes. How are we going to? How are taxes going to be affected? A lot of times, it's easy to assume that hey, we're going to be in the lower tax bracket. Well, depending on what social security, pensions, retirement assets we have, and what income looks like, a lot of people find themselves in the exact same tax bracket, tax situation they were when they were working. So, yeah, another reason it definitely it makes sense to work with a professional. Look at all of these different factors and variables. Because just making the assumption that, hey, I'm retired or I'm going to be retired, I'll definitely be, you know, my outflow will be substantially less. My experience, and I think I could talk for all the advisors here at Mach 1, our experience is that, you know, that typically isn't the case for a lot of the people that we work with. Okay, I want to throw one more at you here, an example of fuzzy math, perhaps you tell us. They say that I can take 4% out of my portfolio every year without running out of money. So if I just follow that rule, I'm going to be fine. Is that fuzzy math or is that accurate? Yeah, so that's that's actually, uh, I think that's really fuzzy math. So if you think of this for a second, most people need a fixed dollar amount, right? So they might need off of their retirement portfolio, so they need you know, $4,000 a month. Well, depending on what your portfolio is doing, if you're just taking off 4%, that can increase and decrease at a certain time. You may not have that fixed $4,000 a month. So you have to be careful of, you know, are you actually going to be able to only take out 4% even if your portfolio decreases substantially? Is that still going to provide the income that you need? Or do you really need more of a fixed dollar amount? What I see typically is people a lot of times need more of a fixed dollar amount, not necessarily a percentage. So if your portfolio took a big hit, then that's going to be a lot more devastating to your income and what that looks like. But this is interesting. So this 4% rule or kind of assumption has been around for several decades. And I think it's really being challenged over the last 10 years because of where interest rates have been. So interest rates have historically been, they've never been as low as they are are now or they have been over the last 10 years. And so that puts a lot of pressure on our on our retirement assets in, in terms of, you know, the safe money, where are we getting the safe fixed rates of return? You know, historically they may be closer to four, five, six, seven percent where, you know, over the last decade, maybe we've getting, been getting like one and a half to two and a half percent on treasuries and, and, uh, you know, CD rates and those types of things. So the 4% is not just across the board, a safe withdrawal rate for everybody. It depends on how your portfolio is allocated what interest rates are doing. And again, going back to, can you just take out a certain percentage and be fine month to month and year to year, or are you going to need that to be more of a fixed dollar amount? And those kinds of questions, depending on how you answer those, you know, that's going to determine what kind of portfolio we would recommend and how we recommend you move forward. So again, another reason to work with 
a professional and advisor such as us here at Mach 1 would love to have a conversation on any of these topics with anyone who has questions or is interested. Well, Matt, you've certainly helped us all understand what is fuzzy math and what isn't fuzzy math. And certainly you can get into trouble if you make some of these assumptions, that's for sure. If you're listening to the Mach 1 Market Moment now and you have some more questions about this kind of thing, if you'd like to come in and have a conversation with Matt Walters, a retirement income planning specialist at Mach 1 Financial Group, call this number, 479-876-2100. This is the Mach 1 Market Moment with Matt Walters. Advisory services through Capel Advisory Solutions, LLC, DBA Fusion Capital Management. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Please see full disclosures at www.mock-1financial.com.